late, everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your Romeo Salvo veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Well, Aaron, Hi, Clayton. It's, hey, it's getting <laughs> close to Halloween. I know. We're like, uh, what is today? Today's Tuesday, and then it's uh, it's, it's Saturday. I know. It's so sad that we're wasting a Saturday full moon Halloween on quarantine. <laughs> like, this would be so much fun, but we all have to stay inside. Is there a, you, you have any sort of plans, any like Zoom moon meetings or anything? Yeah, my, so my Zoom moon is on, yeah, it's on the Saturday at four and we're making potions. So I'm excited for it. It's going to be fun, but it's not the same. So I asked that as a joke. <laughs> and you are also not only having a moon Zoom, but you're making potions. I you feel like do- there's a whole other podcast that you could have about that side of your life. Sure. I, I don't, uh, Yeah. Well, I'm just part of a small group. And so they do like moon stuff, like full moon stuff. And then... um. Because this month, as you know, Clayton, there were two full moons in this October. I did not know, but now I do know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I missed the last moon because I was watching my nieces. And so I didn't miss it. It, it happened. But I didn't participate in the group. And then so this time, I don't want to miss participating in the group. But no pics. It didn't happen. <laughs> no pics of my sad little computer with everyone's like little face in a box. Uh, wow. So what kind of, do you have a potion picked out? I haven't even looked at it yet. It's like led by- You're procrastinating with your potion. (laughs) It's led by somebody and then she gives you like a list of things, like here are things to bring. And I just haven't even really looked at the list to see like what things I have and what things I would want to bring. Don't you think it's going to- Don't you think it's going to be hard to find Eye of Newt's last (laughs) minute? I have a guy. I'm in Queens. I think I could probably find I have Newt pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 grocery store near you, because I've stayed at your apartment. That that mm. one right like down the block has got to have stuff for potions. The trade fair, yeah, it doesn't not have stuff for potions. It's yeah, a very yeah. it's it's pretty much the witchiest grocery store I think I've ever been in. Yeah, so let's see. I mean, it's all I can do this Halloween. It is truly my dream to live in a house or an apartment where there are a lot of trick-or-treaters because, like, truly nothing brings me more joy than kids in costumes. I think it's the cutest thing in the world, (laughs) and I love it so much. So I don't get any trick-or-treaters because I'm on the third floor. Before the last place I lived in Brooklyn, I lived in in a house that had a porch, and we were on the bottom floor, and we had trick-or-treaters. And it was the funnest thing ever because we got dressed up and we were handing out candy and we seriously underestimated the amount of candy we would need. (laughs) And candy is expensive. I don't know if you guys know this. You probably all know this. I did not know how expensive candy was, especially when you're buying a lot of it. Because at first, this was with my, with my, uh, my ex and we were like, we're going to be the house that has the full can. We're going to have like the, 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 not the fun size. We're going to have full size candy. We're going to be the coolest. And then we looked at prices for that. And we're like, no way. We can't afford that. These kids are getting the smallest, shittiest candy that we can buy. But oh, no, we but they're buy- getting like, yeah, so much of it. It's like, it's fine. You don't get a full size Snickers, but you get 20. Yeah. We bought chocolate because you got to give out chocolate. So we bought a bunch of it and then ran out about an hour in. And we ran out of candy with this huge group of kids surrounding us. They were all like so nice and cute. (laughs) But we were like, we don't have any candy left. And the look on their faces was like total devastation. And I was like, I'm going to go get some. Just wait. I'm going to go get some. There's a Dwayne Reed right around the corner. So I go uh, around the corner, buy whatever they have left, which is nothing. And it's and it, this is this is Halloween night in the thick of it. 
it cost a lot more. It was funny because maybe like eight hours from then, it was going to be rock bottom prices. But mm-hmm. this was the worst time to try to buy candy because they totally nailed me. So I buy <laughs> this candy for these kids. And I race back over to, to, the, to the house. And as soon as they see me turn the corner with bags of candy, they all start cheering. Which was the greatest moment of my life. And so I'm giving out this candy like, here you go, here you go. And there's all these kids around me and everybody's so excited. It was like the, because they had all waited. And then more kids had accumulated. Oh, no. Because they were, they were, what's going on here? What's going on there? Oh, uh, someone's going to get more candy. So they're all waiting by her. <laughs> and Sydney's there uh, probably thinking, this motherfucker better come back with some candy or there's going to be a, a, some some kids, some very angry kids. Or she's going to have to lock herself in the house. Yeah, exactly. She's have a situation. We were, if we didn't have treats, we're, there's going to be some big trick going on. So... <laughs> Now, these kids were so cute and lovely. They would never have done anything. They just would have been sad, which would have been the worst uh, possible Oh, outcome. I would rather they throw rocks at my house than just pout at me. Yeah. I have no control over that. I would be giving them the deed to my house. I'd be like, I don't know. What makes you happy? Yeah, take whatever you want. I grew up so rural on the side of a mountain in New Hampshire. And so we would get like under 10 trick-or-treaters. At, like it would be basically like my neighbors. And that was kind of it. And we would always, I would always do these like elaborate bags of candy because I was like, well, if somebody comes all the way to my house, all the way down my driveway, like I want it to be worth it to them. So they would get like just a ton of stuff. And then mm-hmm. at like the last, as it was like the last hour of trick or treating, I'd just be like dumping the bag into whoever came. I'd be like, you get this all. When I was little, I was obsessed with the Little Mermaid because like obviously who wasn't? I was six and. I in in New Hampshire it's freezing cold by October like you always had to wear like your puffiest jacket over your costume which like sucked such a tragedy oh it was the worst and so there was this little mermaid costume and it was like a little mesh like tank top and then the boobs the shell bra was sewn in which like everyone knows the shell bra is the real like like that's why you want to be Ariel my mom and I was so excited because I was like oh I'm gonna wear a shell bra it's gonna be amazing and my mother cut it out of the mesh tank top and sewed it onto a giant white sweatshirt. <laughs> that's what I had to wear. And I was just like, this blows. <laughs> Where now, and I think if I had a giant white sweatshirt with a purple shell bra, like that would be like pretty legit. Like, I bet they sell that. <laughs> yeah. We should sell that. That's that's our new design. That's our other merch. It's going to be that. <laughs> just the shell bra. Um all right. Anyway, this isn't a Halloween podcast. Well, it kind of is, actually. Well, but... it is because we have made this month spooky. Mm-hmm. Last year, we did one spooky episode, and the book wasn't really even spooky, which we've mentioned mm-hmm. several times. <laughs> but we told scary stories. Right. I like that we drag a book for not being what we expected, having done none, no research on the book. That's... It's entirely unfair by us, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's it's been a year and we're able to talk about talk about it. I mean, we just didn't like that book in general for other reasons mm-hmm. other than it not being spooky. Yeah, exactly. But so we we told scary stories and I think, you know, I might be speaking out of school here, but I think our listeners really enjoyed them, especially close to Halloween, which I think mm-hmm. we put that out on halloween or very close to it everything seems so long ago that that the fact that that was a year ago seems like a thousand years ago i know time is very hard that's the scariest story of all (laughs) but i wanted to share a story that we've been sitting on for a while because this happened it was in july this happened we stayed at a house together we had all been quarantining and then as our first thing us, another couple, and Clayton, we rented a house upstate and were and never left the house and, and made it as COVID-friendly as possible. But at that stage, we had been quarantining hardcore since mid-March, and we yes. were about to lose our minds. And it seemed like from everything we're reading that this was a safe, not high-risk activity, so we decided to do it. And it and it worked out. It was fine. Thank you for for that. That's that's the the legal preamble that we had to put before every action that we do now. 
which I, I know, think but is it is correct. true. Like we were all talking about it quite a lot about you know safety and stuff like that. Like we we obviously we take it very seriously. So that was the first time I'd seen you mm-hmm. since March. I know it was wild, and that was late July. Yeah, so we stayed at this house, very old house, right? How old was it? It was from the 1700s. Okay. And it was a beautiful house, three stories, and I stayed on the top floor. And originally, there's two two rooms on the top floor, and originally I was going to stay in one room. It was the quote-unquote kids' room, which had two beds and a lot of weird trap doors. And trap doors. Yeah, you didn't look. There was trap doors in there. <laughs> there was there's trap doors. There was a closet that was locked that you couldn't open where but I'm sure things could have gotten out. We couldn't go in, but they could come out. And I tried to sleep in that room for one night and I got an energy so I don't. I, I was trying to explain because because you see you can see ghosts. We've talked about this on the podcast, and mm-hmm. you did not see anything. Nothing made itself known to you on that no. floor. No. Which is insane because the just the energy up there was so toxic to me. I'd never experienced something like that. I don't know if it was the fact that there was, it was so old. I don't know if something had happened there that was, I don't know, still lingering that only I was attuned to. I don't know what the situation was. Mm -hmm. But needless to say, I had a lot of sleepless nights. And believe me, I loved this place. I loved hanging out with you guys. It was a great experience otherwise because we really got to like go out in the pool and it was so great i still think about that week and that like that week a lot Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason i had this like really bad vibes all night so i barely slept and then one night i came out of my room and i was walking down the stairs and there was a sock on the stair and I know that I had not dropped a sock because when I went to bed, there was no sock on those stairs. And then I woke up in the morning and there was a sock on the stairs, in the middle of the stairs. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, that's some ghost fucking with me. It's got to be. It's a ghost. It's got to be. Because why else? How else would this? Because nobody else was staying on that floor. So how else would this sock just be sitting in the middle of the stairs so i'm freaking out no you know what sorry i'm butchering the story but it was right before i went to bed i saw the sock because then i didn't sleep all night because of the sock because i thought that this ghost was fucking with me and then the next morning i go downstairs and aaron's like well how did you sleep and i said not well at all and you'd known that I had not been sleeping well and I said well I found a sock on the stairs and I think the ghost was trying to fuck with me and you just start laughing and you're like I left that sock for you on the stairs (laughs) and I was like what why did you leave a sock in the middle of the staircase why didn't you just bring it up to me or put it on my doorknob or knock on the door and say, hey, I have a sock. And you're like, well, I, I wanted to make sure you saw it. I didn't want to bother you and I'll make sure you saw it. So that whole night I'd been like freaking out and you had, it had just been you. It was and me. At, I was the ghost. You were the ghost. And I guess, I don't know if this, this story has the impact that it had at the time, but everybody was cracking up. I think one of the reasons people were cracking up is because I was so scared. Like, I was so obviously scared that I think people found it humorous. Mm-hmm. And also, it is ridiculous to just... I know why you did it, but just to put a sock in the middle of the staircase is such a ghost thing to do. 
Because a ghost would also want me to see that sock. Because otherwise, <laughs> if it just was in my room, or even if it was lying on my bed, I wouldn't be freaked out. But having a sock in the middle of your staircase is a freaky experience. That doesn't make any sense, though, because... Yeah, because what had happened was, like, I was doing laundry. You had done laundry before me. I was folding it in our bedroom. And then I saw that it was your sock because you have all these fancy socks. So then I just opened the door. And then the <laughs> I staircase- have all these fancy you socks. You have all these fancy socks. I, I was, bought them I know in bulk from sock. Amazon. Did you? I thought they were, like, Patagonia. They looked really snazzy. So, um... And then so I just opened the door and I didn't want to like go all the way upstairs. So I just like put it on the stairs so that you would grab it on the way up. And then because the next morning you come down and you look at all ragged. You always wake up about four (laughs) hours after everybody else. And then, yeah, I thought I said to you, oh, did you see your sock? And then you just gave me this absolutely like horrified look and you realize that it had been me all along. I don't. Wait, so you're saying that if had I placed the sock in the center of your bed, you would have found that less creepy than it being on the stairs? I think so. That's such horseshit. There's no way. Finding a sock in the middle of your bed that you know you didn't put there when you were the only one going to the third floor is infinitely more creepy. I, I, here's the, here's the actual truth. I would have thought it was a ghost no matter what. (laughs) Because I was so adamant that my worldview be that 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 be correct, that my interpretation of experiences be correct, that I mm-hmm. would have anywhere that sock landed would have been a, a ghost's doing. <laughs> yeah, and I love how this this sock story is like Rashomon now. There's like different points of view as <laughs> to what happened. Uh, well, anyway. It's not as terrifying. I'm going to put terrifying music underneath it. But right. it's not as terrifying now as it was then. It's just because I'd never felt such creepy vibes from a place ever. Ever. Right. Well, and also there was a giant picture of a little boy that was quite creepy. Um, yeah, that yeah, that was in the the study. Yeah. I can I have I took a picture of that little boy. I can if anyone if any listeners are interested in seeing the creepy picture, I'll send it to you. With you a warning it, that it's a creepy picture. Put it in the Instagram story and curse all of our listeners. Oh yeah. I we have already talked about if we were to rent that house next summer, because like Lord knows we'll probably still be in this, that where we would have you sleep because we can't have you sleep on the third floor anymore. And I think we decided in between you and Pat. <laughs> oh yeah okay just a king bed and just the three of us just alerting the tropes room yeah all right i'd just be too scared <laughs> you have to start off the night in your own bed but then if you get too scared you can come into ours exactly do you have a story that is scarier than that <laughs> can no, you I top the have... sock story i don't think i have any new scary stories Life is scary enough. I know. Speaking of scary, we have a new review from Apple. (laughs) Oh, we got a new review from Apple. It's not scary. This is the longest intro we've ever had. Like, if you just are like a huge Nora head and you're like, I just want to listen to talk about this book. And people are probably like, Jesus Christ, these two don't shut up. I know. We never do this. We're doing this for the fans. We're doing this for the fans. The sock story will be classic. I want you all to know, too, that like that day, Clayton was like, I'm going to save this story for the Halloween episode of Learning the Tropes. And I was like, sure thing, buddy. Let's do it. <laughs> Whatever you say, you and your fancy socks. Well, also, wait, that was also the first night we were there. We you somebody inadvertently set off the fire alarm. And so Me. I was like cooking. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I was cooking dinner and it was pitch black outside because we were in the country. And then all of a sudden, our friend looks to the door and goes, oh, hello, which is the scariest thing. And I look and there are four cops outside. And I was like, what happened? I was so scared. And apparently it's such a small town that they're like, your fire alarm went off. So we came and we were like, huh? <laughs> and it was we had nothing. nothing else to do. I know. But that was also terrifying. Let's anyway, we got an. This- <laughs> yeah, we got. Sorry, we got an Apple review. 
Yeah, you guys have been amazing at at posting reviews. We've gotten a few. We've we've read them all. We love them all. Um, we just like sort of reading one or two um, at the beginning of the episode just to to give you guys a little shout out because we really appreciate it. It's how people find us. Um, and so when you guys take the time, it, it means a lot. So this is from AMC 1928. And they write, officially a favorite. I've been addicted to this podcast ever since I first discovered it. Hearing the varied perspectives of Aaron and Clayton is the perfect dynamic for romance. They're funny, thoughtful, and are even so considerate when a book doesn't quite meet their expectations. I binge the backlog of episodes so quickly, and I'm always excited for the latest episode. Thank you guys for all the hard work you put into this excellent podcast. And don't forget to protect your pleasure pump nut cannon. Gross. That's her euphemism. Yeah, so just for all the Nor Roberts fans out there, we <laughs> asked our <laughs> we asked our listeners if they put a review on Apple Podcasts that they also add a euphemism for either a female or male genitalia. This is all yeah. based on a book that we read called how to write a sex scene or how i write a oh, sex how scene. i write sex scenes because it was very gabbled on focused yes she was i not give you my body in... i give you my body oh uh, that was fun pleasure pump or nut cannon both bad yeah they're pretty gross the euphemisms are all pretty much gross that our reviewers are putting on which is i think the way to go just because they get attention Mm-hmm. I was actually, this is, let's just extend this. Let's not even talk about the book. <laughs> we so, also have a hard out in, yeah, in 50 minutes. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. So real fast. So I was running the other day and I saw a a sign for, I think it's for somebody who works, who, who does lawn work and they were talking about like weed whacking, all this stuff that they do. And one of the things is uh, slit seeding. And it oh, said no. slit seeder on it. And I was like, slit seeder is the worst euphemism for a penis. <laughs> That's just too profane to even think about. It's insane that they would have that out where children could see. That should be blacked out. <laughs> Do it to my lawn, but don't talk about it. Right. Well, it's almost Halloween, and you know what that means. It's time to look forward to Christmas. New from Kensington Books, Christmas Kisses with My Cowboy, a new anthology that features stories from three best-selling authors who are beloved for writing sexy Western romances with alpha heroes and strong, adventurous heroines. This anthology features... Mistletoe Cowboy by Diana Palmer, Blame It on the Mistletoe by Marina Adair, and Mistletoe Detour by Kate Pierce. We got horse whisperers. We've got power outages. We've got pet pigs. These stories have it all. And the best thing about anthologies is that you get a little taste of all these great authors. If you haven't read them before, and if you haven't, shame on you. But If you haven't, you get to read them now. It's all Christmas-themed, and who doesn't love a Christmas romance? So check out Christmas Kisses with My Cowboy. It's available now wherever books are sold. And for more great books, go to kensingtonbooks.com. We did read a book this week, Mm -hmm. and it's from a huge author that we've never read before. Yeah, and I had never read her before somehow. I'm obviously a big fan of her in general, sort of like any article I've read about her. I think she's amazing. And uh, so it's Nora Roberts, uh, Black Rose is what we read, which is number two in the In the Garden series. And she published it in 2004. Do you want to judge the cover? Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is a very basic cover. It's... A purple, it's 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 basically like a a purplish rose, right? Mm-hmm. This is a very to me Nora Roberts cover. Yeah. Even though I've never read it, but I've seen a lot of her books. If you've ever been to a bookstore any time in your life, you've seen a Nora Roberts book. She is that popular. She's that omnipresent. And 
I think it's a fitting. I think it's a fitting cover. I wouldn't want a Nora Roberts book to have a newfangled cover. No. Like, imagine a Nora Roberts with a cartoon cover. That would just feel very... It'd be like the Bible having a cartoon cover. <laughs> I'm sure there are versions that do. But yeah. They're like kids' versions. Mm-hmm. No, I think this is a like a really beautiful, striking cover. Um... Yeah, Black Rose. Well, she talks about in the book how, like, actually getting a Black Rose is, like, very, very difficult, if not, like, impossible. Like, because you have to do all these, like, crossings and stuff. But, um, yeah, I I think the cover is gorgeous and it's very striking uh, and it's a great cover. And this is the only cover I – this is the only cover that I've seen. Do you know if there's any alternative covers to it? There are alternative covers, but I didn't have a chance to put them on. But I mean, I think this is the big one. I think they're sort of like the international ones are just like a smaller rose. But this is the the main cover. Yeah, we get the big rose. Yeah. Well, Clayton, what was the book about? So this book was about Roz Harper, who lives in a big house called pretty much i think it's called harper house Mm -hmm. and it's a house that has been in her family for a very long time she lives there with what seems like a ton of people for me i i don't like a lot of people in a house so uh, so it was a little overwhelming for me just reading about all the people running in and out she seemed to like it she lives in the house there is a ghost named amelia that's been haunting that house forever and she does not know the origin of this ghost. And we get a we get a prologue that introduces us to Amelia, who will become a ghost. Mm-hmm. But then we get into the main story, which is Roz and a gentleman named Mitch or Mitchell Carnegie, who is a writer who Roz gets to research her history in order to write a book about it including this ghost and they end up falling for each other and then Roz has a really bad ex who uh, she's really really upset that she ever married and he just seems to be the worst person that's ever existed (laughs) and there's a lot of fun with him and oh and also Amelia is a huge cock block the reason she haunts people is to cock block. I didn't get too much into the, the plot because really a lot of it is just Mitchell discovering things about her family and her talking about it. And then them having pretty, I mean, they have sex, but it's, it's, it's not very explicit, which I was assuming Nora Roberts wasn't. Yeah, I was, I didn't go in for like a, I don't think that Nora Roberts is necessarily delivering like a huge steam factor, but yeah, I, yeah, for this book, I feel like it just kind of fell short for me. And obviously Nora is an amazing writer and so prolific and such a big part of the genre that I'm not putting this on her as much as just like, this is the book we chose and maybe we should have chosen a different book. I liked the book fine. It definitely... Uh, kept me interested, but as I, it did not s- deliver to me the level of romance that I want in a Nora Roberts book. But also, having never read Nora before, it's like I don't know if her books, because this felt very much just kind of like women's fiction with a romantic element to it, because most of it was just about Roz learning, um, like how to live alone and how to be comfortable in her age and how to sort of be comfortable in society and sort of being the matriarch of this kind of family that she's cobbled together because in the previous book, you know, two women have shown up at her place and she takes them in and gives them jobs and they become sort of like surrogate daughters, kind of like good friends to her. Um, I liked the idea of the house sort of being full because I also think it's like, this is a, they don't say it, but this is like Memphis, Tennessee. It's very clear. This is like a plantation house. Like this is a massive house. 
And I think when you have houses that big, it's easy to have 12 people in them and not really feel like there's anyone home because there's just so much space. Like Roz has a full-time house manager who's also just like one of her best friends. So it's like, I, I feel like if it was just her in this massive home, that would feel really like lonely and strange. And it seems like there's definitely like the space for it. So it's like, why not have a ton of people? Yeah, she'd be alone with the ghost otherwise. I know. Do you what were your sort of first impressions of the book? I I agree with you in the sense that it it didn't it it didn't it, I like their romance, but it wasn't Yeah, it didn't it didn't it wasn't a home run for me in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Although I, it was really refreshing that these characters are the age that they are. So Roz yeah. is 45 and Mitchell is 48. And Roz has had a history. She has kids from her first husband, John, who she loved, who who died. And then Mitch is a guy who has a son who plays basketball, who he's really proud of. But he was an alcoholic, Mm-hmm. like legit ruined his first marriage with alcohol and has found a way to escape that. And I thought that was so super refreshing because a lot of the books that we read are about young people, even people mm-hmm. in their thirties. This is people who have had lives, which I really liked because that's a different aspect of life and love that I think was interesting. I love that too. I would love to read more books with older heroes and heroines just because, yeah, it w- it's just people at a different season of their life. And then the choices they're making are very different, um, which I really love to see that her consideration was not like, oh, is this someone I could raise children with or whatever? She's like, is this just somebody whose company I enjoy? Because it's basically going to end up being just the two of us needing to enjoy each other's company. And like, ultimately, she decided yes. And I also loved the way that Mitch's alcoholism was portrayed, because I think a lot of times when you think of an alcoholic, you think of somebody who gets to the point where they're you know, living on the street, and they've destroyed everything. And, and I think that alcoholism is pretty insidious in that it can be like that, where it's not like he like he kept a job, it seems like while he was drinking and, but he just sort of shut himself off emotionally from his wife and his child and, and was not actually becoming an active participant in his own life. And that's why his wife left him, which it seems like she should have done. Um, but it shows that there are like levels of alcoholism and and that it was important for him to get sober and he stays sober. And it isn't also the biggest deal in the book. He just sort of she asks if he wants a drink and she's like, no, he's just like, no, I don't drink. And and that's also like kind of the end of it, which I appreciate, too, because um, I think especially in like uh, American society, it's, you know, obviously alcohol can be used as like quite a crutch. And I think often about how lonely it must be to be sober because you don't have that sort of social lubricant. So um, I really, really loved that as sort of a character trait. So this book was very Southern. Mm -hmm. As you said, it takes place in Memphis and it just felt very much of a different place than we normally read about. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I enjoyed. All all these things made it a unique experience. I also, of all the books that we read this month, this actually had a real ghost. Yeah. Well, the first book we read did, the one with the professor, had a real ghost. The Widow of Rose House. Yeah. Yeah, that had a real ghost. But this ghost did a lot of creepy things like wrote on the mirror in steam, which I thought was cool. Roz and Mitchell, once they started getting close, she would show up, Amelia, and say things like, all men lie, and he's he's going to cheat on you. And it's at some point, the ghost 
metamorphosizes into her 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 uh, dead husband, like groping a woman and saying, "I cheated on you," and all this stuff. Some real psychological shit. Yeah. Amelia had issues, but we find out at the beginning of the book that she was a she was a woman that who was it Harper's grandfather was it grandfather or great grandfather I can't remember great grandfather because her son was Raz's grandfather yeah so he had sex with this woman Amelia just to get a a, a child took the child from her and sent her away. And, and, or that's what was in the beginning of the book and just said, you're a trollop, uh, this paraphrasing, and did you really think I was going to stay with you and all these things? And Amelia ends up being a ghost who hates men and has shown up to, uh, to Roz in her past too. So this isn't the first time this ghost has shown up. This ghost has just been around, but her... Uh, her new romance with Mitchell has really activated the ghost to become angry. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was pretty creepy. Uh, there was some creepy stuff. And I mean, there was no, there was no sock scares, which I was disappointed in because that's <laughs> such a ghost move to just leave a sock in the middle of the staircase. <laughs> Although mm-hmm. if that would have happened, my, I would have probably lost all the blood in my body. You would have just thrown the book across the room. It would have triggered me, but what did what did you think of Amelia as a ghost? I thought it was creepy. I liked that this we finally get a really super creepy ghost for Halloween. Yeah, Amelia was the scariest ghost we've read because she was very like corporal, like like um, Roz was able to have full conversations with her, which was wild. Like I. I it was super creepy. Amelia at one stage is like holding Roz under the water in the bathtub, which is so it's scary. But it is also like I don't understand how Roz was like so okay with it. And I don't know if it's the sort of thing like if you are just raised in a haunted house, you just have a different point of view when it comes to ghosts. But Roz was like when she would like if I saw Forgive Me on a mirror and Pat had not written it. I think I would burn my house <laughs> or I would like move. I would be like, this is the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. And there's zero chance of me staying here. But yeah. She was a great ghost. Her backstory was a great, we find out that, yeah, that she is Roz's great grandmother. And so it makes sense to why she's so protective of Roz and why she really wants to end this relationship with Mitchell. They sort of talk about how, you know, with Roz's first husband, um, Abelia loves children and so she wanted children so she didn't interfere in that relationship because she was like well this will get me kids because at one point they're watching their friend's baby and they hear her singing to the baby through the monitor which so creepy I mean is there anything scarier than a baby monitor it's the scariest thing yeah you just shouldn't have one because something <laughs> creepy is going to come through it, it because yeah. they pick up um don't they don't they also pick up phone conversations sometimes well, I guess you so you can break it. The ones with Wi-Fi, like people can break into and they have and then they'll start like talking to the baby through the baby monitor, which I find so creepy. I find the one like I think obviously like the ones where you can like you need to just listen or my sister-in-law has one where she can just watch the baby. But like, there's no ability to like talk to the baby. And I'm like, I think it's creepy because there is a possibility of somebody breaking in and then a stranger just saying weird things to your kid. But also, and being able to watch your kids, which I find creepy. But also, it's like, even as a parent to like, just like hit a button and talk to your kid through a machine is creepy for the kid. I'd be like, that's weird. That's my mom's voice, but it's coming out of a machine. I don't like this, you know? Yeah, because um, they can't figure out. They, 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 the babies are not able to figure out what's going on, the difference. And it would be, I think, unsettling. I don't think my parents, I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't think they had a baby monitor. I don't know. I mean, was so young. I don't, in the 80s, in the 80s, they had those ones that were like walkie talkies. 
I, I should like, ask my parents. Videos. I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling that they didn't have one, but I don't know. Maybe. Did you know if your parents had a baby monitor? I, I, I mean, guess. obviously, I don't remember, but like I. I don't, but I don't think so. I don't know. Now there's a school of thought of like that baby monitors are bad. I mean, who knows? Everything with children is all is the best thing. The only thing you could do and absolutely also the worst thing you could possibly do when you're ruining your kid. Like there's, that's everything. I feel like um, my parents had like a can uh-huh. it, with a string tied to it and they just threw that in my crib and then they just had the can, <laughs> the can dangling by the stairs. And so they Did would they just, just like, like yeah. listen in once in a while. Tie your little chubby arm to a bell. So then if you move too much, the bell would start ringing. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love. <laughs> I know you slept in that drawer. You were fine. Oh, it was great. I love drawer. <laughs> um, I was so mad when my parents threw away that that set, that chest of drawers. <laughs> Where you lived. Yeah, it was like too many pee stains, they said. I was like, don't look at me. My sister just slept in there too. <laughs> pickled it in urine. They had to get there. There was no getting it out. Yeah. Um, I was like, just replace the 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 paper. I don't understand why you had to throw the whole thing away. But yeah, but Amelia it was the creepiest of ghosts. She was really creepy. Well, and that's the thing too. I think that we've talked about before with romances and how hard it is to cross genres because. Then it's like, so is this a ghost story or is this a romance? And it ends up being a bit more of a ghost story. Like, as I was reading this, I was thinking of like, okay, if this, if if, for it to be romance, the central story has to be about the couple or whoever, the people in love and a happy ending. There was certainly a happy ending. We got that, loved the ending. I thought it was great. Yeah. But the... But I would say the central story of this is about her uncovering the ghost and everything is sort of around Amelia and dealing with Amelia stuff. And also, um, you know, Mitchell doing the research on the family in order to, um, you know, find out who Amelia is and everything. All that genealogy stuff I really loved. But it was so Southern that he's like, well, if I do all this research, I have the option to write a book about it. And it's like, who would give a shit? <laughs> about this random family in the south other than like southerners being like very excited about their heritage or yeah. their history you know i mean um, the, the 23andme stuff mm-hmm. this whole thing about their history I, I mean i don't even really honestly i don't really even care about my family history why do i care about these people's so that whole thing i was kind of bored by i that whole you know, it's over. It's past. Like, what am I going to learn from the past? Nobody ever learns anything from the past. Right. Exactly. Just forget about it. It happened. Get over it, it. Get over it. If it didn't happen three to four years ago, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So, no, but that's the kind of stuff, like, I, I, I was not interested in that. Yeah. So that was pretty hard because most of the book was him – talking about great ants and shit and i just really had not much interest well the other thing too is oh sorry i did love how gossipy everybody was though oh i love a gossip i would have fit right into that town i would have been talking shit i would have been finding information out love it how fast Mm -hmm. it all travels like good and bad because like when something happens like ross is her best friend david knows about it the next morning as does like her surrogate daughter Haley. loved it um, it's weird. The next book is Haley and Harper, Roz's son. And Haley is her like, neat, is, like they're related in some way. And I get like whatever people say that it's like, oh, if it's more than second cousins, it's fine. I'm like, I would prefer no relation, you know, I, especially in books where it's like, oh, you don't need people to be related. So let's just like have them not be related. And maybe in that book we find out that she like is actually like a adopted or something like that or not actually they're not blood related, but like there is a point where Roz's other two sons come home and they talk about like how hot they think she is and I'm like that's gross cuz that is your cousin. I hate it. I did not like that. I thought that was weird. Also, I felt like we have so much with Amelia. We have so much with all like the ton of people that live in the house. We have so much with just Mitchell and Roz 
And there's this whole other like sea story of Roz's ex-husband Bryce, who's like, yeah, like you said, the worst person in the world, who is just starting to like stalk her and do all these like opening credit cards in her name and sending um, letters to her country club where she seems extraordinarily like racist and classist. And she's like very, she's like Roz is unflappable as well, which I look forward to being when I'm in my mid to late forties. Cause it's not happening now, but I, she just is sort of like, Oh, well I'll deal with it. We're like, I don't know if somebody sent a letter to, I don't know, someplace I hung out socially that maybe seemed like that awfully like racist and classist. I'd be like, uh, I think we need to like do some damage control or something, or I don't know. But I just felt like we don't, it's like a hat on a hat on that stage because it's, because it's like, so she has chaos in her life because of Amelia. She has chaos in her life just because she lives with 47 people. She has chaos in her life just because she's like trying to figure out if she wants to marry this guy or be with this person. And then it just seemed weird to not just have Bryce be a bad ex-husband like in the past, but they've gotten over it, but to have him keep being this reoccurring character. And I kept waiting for it to have been Amelia all along or something else. But instead it was just like, no, he's just like a piece of shit. Oh, it's Bryce being Bryce. Yeah. Who's like wreaking havoc in her life. And it seemed like, why now? And why at all? I just didn't think we needed it. And I think it made the book feel much like more of a, like a longer slog. Cause I was like, oh, and also this now we have to deal with too. I don't know. I like my alone. No, no. I thought Bryce was the the craziness of what Bryce would do. He bought a painting with her money Mm -hmm. called The Amazing Bitch. Do you remember this part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he had to call around to galleries to find paintings (laughs) with expletives in it. Like genderized expletives. I'm sure he called around being like, do you have any painting with the C word in the title? Or, okay, it's got bitch in the title. That's fine. I guess that'll do. I mean, I've called so many galleries. This will be great. So that's such an insane thing to search out. Is a painting with bitch in the title that you Mm -hmm. can send to your ex-wife. That's an insane amount of... Bryce needs a, a hobby or he needs to find a somebody to take his mind off. Because I think he is with somebody, though, too. That's the thing, too. And it's like at the end of the book, Roz ends up getting him to, like, confess everything in front of these two women. And it turns into sort of, like, blows his life up, which is great. But I'm like, also, I don't feel like there was an arc of Roz learning to stand up for herself, or be independent. Like she starts the book, like she like is in charge of all of these people, literally in that she's their boss and they're like de facto like landlord, even though I don't think she charges them rent. Like, and she is alone. And like, there's no point in the beginning of the book that she feel that I feel like she seems insecure in being single. Like she seems okay with it. And then the, her arc in the book is her learning that it's okay to depend on people and learning that it's okay to like let somebody in, which is great. Like great arc. Love it. Especially for a romance. Like this, uh, this is perfect. But so then it just seems like the Bryce thing. I'm like, I don't get what, what we've learned through having Bryce here. And I don't get what she is, what her being able to stand up. Bryce is showing us about her personality that we don't already know, you know? Well, she's setting up for Bryce's book because we all like the redemption of a, of a villain. No, Bryce doesn't have a book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he should. This is a St. Vincent situation where he falls in love with that gallery owner. Oh, well, you can't. Yeah, that'd be great. But uh, St. Vincent is, I mean, I guess he is bad, but he's no Bryce. No, St. Vincent is an opportunist, opportunist villain. He's not a, like, a vindictive villain. Bryce is a scumbag. I know. So here's a question. Would you fuck them? Yeah, totally. Both. Roz seemed hot. Both of them. Yeah. Why not? Roz keeps it tight. Yeah. 
she goes on a jog every day. She talks about how she loves her toes <laughs> in the bathtub. Mitchell is a rugged dude. I mean, he's a professor, but I'm not he's like I'm not saying rugged in the sense of like rugged like a mountain man, but he's been through it and I feel like that is sexy. Yeah. And he also seems like somebody like a man who's very like has it together and there's like something sexy about a man who just like loves his kid has a good job like keeps a nice apart you know what i mean it's like he doesn't need anybody but he wants her and i think that's really sexy as opposed to like my life's a mess i need somebody to keep me organized which i think is like a lot of men men who are single at that age sort of start thinking yes i think they're both sexy yeah, and then just, like, a crumpled professor who's, like, super interested in, like, history. <laughs> Let's go. I love it. Now, I gotta throw Amelia a bone. <laughs> just because, like, chill out, you know? Let's have right. some fun, girl. Come on. Exactly. Um. All right, Goodreads list. Let's do uh, it. Best Nora Roberts novels. There are thousands of Nora Roberts novels. So there's no way to tell. I will trust this list maker. I I don't know. We would have to read another one. Mm -hmm. Will we read another one? Of course. Okay. At some point. Yeah. Um... I I agree. There are so many Nora Roberts novels, and she's so beloved. And I feel like this fell short with me. And I don't know. It, it 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 this didn't wow me in the way that I expected her book to, a Nora book to wow me. And so I do feel like there are definitely better ones out there. But okay. it's an opinion. So if that's your if this is your opinion, it's fine. Um, ghost stories. Yes. Seasoned romance. Oh, they're seasoned. <laughs> Best romance series following families. I guess. I mean, there is a lot of family in this. Yeah. And uh, a little bit too much family for me. But I would assume that this, for this person, yes. Um, Character you most want to sleep with? If they're talking about Amelia, probably yes, I would say. (laughs) Definitely. Gotta lay that ghost down. Spirits of love, matchmaking ghosts, lost loves, and ghostly lovers. She's none of those. She isn't. Yeah, she's cockblocked. She's a ghostly cockblocker. Mm-hmm. So make that list. Yeah, cockblocking ghost ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> Good whiskey. Best romance heroes over thirty-five. Yeah, that's he's way over thirty-five. Mm-hmm. So King, I agree. Yeah. yeah, and he seems sexy. Uh, King of the betas. Best beta romance hero, male female. You know, it's weird because I don't think of him as a beta because of his age and the fact that I think he's beyond alpha or beta. I, I, I think to I think he is just a dude trying to do his best. <laughs> I say that he would because Harper is clearly her son is clearly an alpha in that like whenever shit starts going down, like it seems like where an alpha would like run and defend her. Like he Mitch is more sort of like, Oh, like how did that go last night? You know what I mean? Like he's not in the fray of anything. He's, he's pretty much like a, like a quieter, more protective guy, which is fine. When you're 48, you don't want to get punched in the face. No. (laughs) Romance with strong female friendships. Yeah. She had like a core group of, of female friends. Yeah, that was great. Hard drinking, alcoholism, and romance. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't an out. Al- well, uh, you know, not to get into it because I, I am not an alcoholic, but I do think that some alcoholics would say that they're always alcoholics. But what I was going to say is that he doesn't drink anymore, but he probably would always refer to himself as an alcoholic. Yeah, I think in the program you're like supposed to. Um. I love your quirks. Best romance heroines that are a bit odd in a good way. I don't know how odd she... I mean, she is referred to as the the titular Black Rose because she's so unique. I wouldn't say she's odd. I'd say she's uniquely capable. Yeah. I didn't find her to be that quirky at all because I'm like, oh, you're just kind of a Southern lady who loves gardening, which I think is, you know... Pretty standard. Maybe it's a stereotype, but it seems like a thing. 
and you're just a rich southern lady who lives in a big house like there was nothing that i was like oh wow what a weirdo everything was sort of like yeah this seems like (laughs) decisions that would be made that i'll track uh exotic and unforgettable i would say no and no no uh love and bloom romances with florists landscapers gardeners and more yes and we need to read every book on that list yeah, I liked the I liked all the floral stuff. I liked I wish I was a better gardener. I'm an awful gardener. So I I want to become a good baker and a good gardener. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. What are your tropes? Love after 40, ghost story, professor, hero, uh, Southern Belle, her- heroine, big family genealogy mm-hmm. a lot of genealogy talk what are your tropes Aaron? my tropes are an older couple found family recovering alcoholic hero rumpled professor and supernatural elements Ghost yes rumpled professor i love it mm. i love a rumpled professor with glasses yes um all right clayton so what has you swooning oh my goodness so my swoon is a plea And it is, I don't know if you got this email, but I got this email. So the Strand Bookstore, one of the greatest bookstores in the world, is struggling because of COVID. Like a lot of businesses are struggling. Mm -hmm. And I got an email from the current owner and everybody who was on their mailing list got this, that they are, their sales are down 70%. Because of the lack of tourism in the city and the lack of foot traffic and all these other things and having to close and all this stuff. And they're one of the last remaining bookstores that used to be part of Book Row, which was all these bookstores in New York. It's actually no longer in the area where that used to be. It got it moved to uh, the, the, the Broadway where the Broadway location where it is now. Mm-hmm. But it, it thrived for years and years and years and was, you know, strong as ever until recently. And I feel like, you know, Strand is an institution. It's one of the places I went to when I first moved to the city that was an oasis for me. I would put it, for me personally, up there with Central Park as a place that I would go to to find solace in a in a place that could be very lonely and scary and this email we got i got this email like a probably a week or so ago and i've been checking on the website and people have been tweeting about it because she asked for people to tweet about it and to do whatever you can you order stuff online uh, buy gift certificates buy merch the last time I checked, all their sweatshirts and T-shirts and hats were sold out. So people are, are are buying things. I just feel like if you don't do it for Strand, think about a bookstore near you, your yeah. local bookstore, your small bookstore, and buy something. I know we all are struggling for money. I understand that. And I'm by no means saying don't have food, buy a book. If you're <laughs> able to, though, if you're able to... Because we're all readers. Everybody who listens to this is is a reader. And I understand that a lot of people get stuff out of libraries, and that's great too, because libraries need to survive. Libraries are great as well. But some of these bookstores that are independent, they if they if they go away, it's gonna be a very sad landscape. Because mm-hmm. I, I do admit I buy things on Amazon. I don't buy uh, books on Amazon, but I do buy things, especially with the pandemic. I ordered a lot from Amazon because I needed to. Uh, I didn't need to. It's just it was convenient to buy things and not have to go places because I had that luxury. Not everybody has that. But I would say if you are a book reader, support your local bookstore. If that happens to be Strand or even Books or Magic, those are just some New York ones. Do what you can. Mm -hmm. I bought a T-shirt from Books or Magic last time I was in Brooklyn because I can't buy any more books. It's just <laughs> every time I move, it's just it hurts Pat's back. So I can't. I can't. 
Uh, so if if it's merch, if it's it's if anything like that, just just support these places because they're they're bastions of creativity and oasises for people who who love reading. So that's my plea: is support your local bookstore. Also support Strand if you're a Strand lover like myself. And that's my spoon. That's a great spoon. I think especially I think at the beginning of the pandemic, people were very um on top of like you know supporting these small businesses and i think it's like obviously we're well into it now everyone's exhausted but i think it's important to still think of that and especially you know put in your orders now for christmas and ultimately you have to think of the places in your community that you want to survive the pandemic and you have to really be conscious of that. So if there is a bookstore near you that you love, uh, an independent bookstore, definitely, you know, buy some Christmas books now so you don't overload them in December or merch or something. Because yeah, I think bookstores are, um, I think are normally the epicenter or the greatest part of, of most neighborhoods. So you know, near me, I have a story of books that I love. Uh, Word is a great bookstore as well. So that we have we're lucky in New York City, we have quite a few really fantastic ones. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's a great swoon. So Aaron, what are you swooning about? I mean, I'm swooning about I think the thing that everybody's swooning about now and everyone is sick of hearing about but voting, we're going to um, Pat and I, we didn't do absentee ballots because there was an issue with the primaries in our ballots. So we decided we're just going to, because we're both healthy and low risk, uh, we'll go ahead to the polls, um, which I'm going to do tomorrow after work because we have early voting near me. So if you can vote early, vote because uh, it seems like based on early voting come election day, there could be quite some significant lines. So the more people we can have vote early, um, then the people who have to vote on on election day for whatever reason are have the space to be able to vote um, safely, um, and it's a really really important election. And I think uh, you know it's been a long time. We're all exhausted of hearing about politics. I know I certainly am, um, but it's just this final push uh, of this last week to make yourself heard. Um, vote not only for you know the president, which is obviously the big one, but down ballot as well. Um, I love seeing everybody when they post on Instagram and stuff that they're in line and they voted. And I've seen, you know, here in New York City, uh, lines have been long. But what I've heard is that they kind of move pretty quickly. So, you know, we're reading the Viscount who loved me next uh, week or this week for next week. So baby, you know, bring the book, bring a bottle of water, get in line um and uh and it'll be fun and then also on saturday we're doing with uh we're not we're not associated with it but faded mates is doing another phone bank the last phone bank um for the democratic party and then if you would like to join that if you go to their instagram or their twitter for faded mates um and there's a way to sign up i did it a few weeks ago it's super fun you get prizes julia quinn sent me a signed book i mean that's pretty great uh and so it's uh so sort of to do this this last push of um uh voting it's important so yeah that's what i'm sweating about civic duty (laughs) great so, Aaron, where can they find us? Um, so you can find us at... So, rate, review, subscribe. We read the review at the top of the episode, which we love reading those reviews. It's how people find us. We really appreciate it whenever anybody takes the time to do it. Um, so you can always write us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can always email us at lordythetropespodcast at gmail.com, which is... If you want to email us recommendations, just say hi. Correct us on something we said incorrectly. It happens. It's fine. On Twitter, we're at Learning Tropes. On Instagram, we're at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook group, The Learning the Tropes Troop, uh, which you can join. It's a lot of fun. People are chatting in there. Um, we have merch. Yeah, the link's in the bio to go. And if you want to grab a t-shirt or mug or something like that. Yeah, now, like if we you said, need Chris- last minute things to give away for trick-or-treaters, uh-huh. give away sweatshirts, give away totes, give away w- w- hats, we don't have hats. Don't give them hats because we don't have hats. <laughs> We're working We've on it. We've asked about hats. 
masks, just all there's so many things. Just give give these kids our merch. They mm-hmm. they deserve it. That's all I'll say. And like I said, so next week we are starting our Bridgerton series. So we are reading six of the eight Bridgerton books. We already did Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. So if you want to listen to that episode, it was a few weeks ago. Go listen there. We're not reading The Duke and I. I think people have guessed why. So that's why. Um, So we are reading, uh, starting off with book two of the Bridgerton series, The Viscount Who Loved Me by, of course, Miss Julia Quinn. Um, so go ahead, pick that up. The Netflix series is coming out. So we wanted to make sure that we are good and ready for that. Um, and so we will see you next week. Uh, and finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Happy Halloween. Oh, happy Halloween. Boo.